If you knew unequivocally that everything in life was going to work out in your favour, how readily would you release control, let go, and slip into a blissful state of allowance? I'm Kim Forrester. You're listening to the Eudaimonia podcast, and today we're going to shine a spotlight on surrender. Welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. Plug in, relax, and get ready for the goodness as we explore the traits and practices that can help you thrive in life with your host, Kim Forrester. Coot Blackson is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He is author of the national best-selling book, You Are The One?, and the newly released title, The Magic of Surrender. Coot is host of the Soul Talk podcast, and he's widely considered to be the next generation leader in the field of personal development. It's my absolute pleasure to be chatting with Coot today about the profound power of surrender, and to learn how we can live more flourishing lives by learning to let go. Coot, welcome to the Eudaimonia podcast. It's such a delight to have you here. The word freedom, Coot, appears a lot in your new book. When we learn to live in surrender, what is it that we're actually liberating ourselves from? And how has it changed your life? How can it change our lives, Mm. being able to enjoy this sort of profound form of freedom? Yeah, you know, I say that surrender is really the password to freedom. And so often, as human beings, we are constantly in a paradigm or a pattern of control. We're constantly con- trying to control every single thing in our lives. We control, uh, try to control ourselves, try to control our friends, try to control our spouse, try to control our pets, try to control our children, try to control the weather, try to control God. I mean, we're constantly trying to control every single thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, all it tends to lead us to is stress and anxiety and fear and you know, if, if there's anything 2020 showed us in certain ways is we really aren't in control of so many things. You know, I think the, the pandemic and last year is just the universe reminding us, hey, you guys thought you were in control, human beings. Here you go. As children, you know, if you look at it when we were children, as children, when we were born into this human experience, we were free. We were free. We were alive. We weren't trying to control everything. We would cry. We would shout. We would fall. We would poop. We would, you know, we were just curious about life. We were open to the possibilities. We were open to what life was unfolding. We were available. That curiosity allowed us to let life allow the moment to lead us. But then, a couple of things start happening. Firstly, we meet our parents and we're often born into a certain environment that might be painful or challenging or dysfunctional. So the first thing is we start to just kind of learn a certain survival mechanism to shut down, disconnect, not feel as a way to control the level of pain we experience. And so that's when the survival mechanism of control begins. But then we also learn uh, a certain way of being in the world, the sense of you know, who do I need to be in order to get love from my parents? Who do I need to be? And so we start to control again and try to engineer and manipulate unconsciously 
how people perceive us so that we can fit in, get loved, be approved, and we start developing a personality, a certain kind of personality, a certain persona. We start developing all sorts of masks to fit in, to get loved, to be validated. And then we hold tightly to this way of being, avoiding pain and getting love. We hold tightly to this way of being, and we think that's us. Mm. And so... From a very young age, we start learning to control, to function, and survive. So the surrender is to your soul. The surrender is to life. The surrender is, is to let go and really allow this intelligence of life, allow your soul to guide you and lead you, and allow yourself to be led by life. And so that's the invitation. What you're saying there is really profound and also very, very personal. So I am a recovering people pleaser, and I know ah, in myself yes. that I have spent my life trying to control the way others view me, trying mm. to control how much other people like me, trying to control their level of happiness and enjoyment so that I mm. would be liked. So I totally understand. And I'm currently going through this transition into mm. surrender, into self-worth. Mm. So I totally understand what you're saying. Here, I think, is the big challenge. Most people integrate that way of being. Most people integrate a controlling way of being so deeply into their identity yes. that we don't even know that we're doing it. Yes. My listeners will be hearing you now saying, you know, oh, you're controlling this factor and this factor of your life. And they'll be going, no, I'm not. I'm just making choices. How can we tell in a moment that we are functioning from a part of us that is trying to control? How can we tell in the moments of our lives that we are not in surrender? Yeah, I think the degree, yeah, I think you have a very good point. The degree to which we are conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. Many times we think we're free, like, oh, I'm a free being, but we're really not in many ways. Uh, many times we are actually living without being conscious, without being aware, as you're talking about. We're not necessarily conscious or aware. We're actually living and playing out some of the patterns of conditioning from our childhood, from our parents. And so I think the first step is to realize, just realize, hmm, am I really free? Just realize that is who I am who I really am or is it a conditioned version of me? And I think we have to be willing to have the courage to question ourselves. And then we have to start becoming aware to cultivate awareness. And I think one of the ways we can do that is moment to moment. Once we acknowledge, yes, I've been conditioned in some way. It's just the process of being human. Then I think that we have the opportunity to get into relationship with ourselves, relationship with the moment, to begin to, shall we say, question ourselves, to begin to observe ourselves, witness ourselves, look at ourselves. And as we act and as we... Uh, react and as we live our life, kind of check in and question: mm. Is this like is this action authentic? Is what I'm saying true? What would I really say if I didn't need to say what I thought other people needed to say? Is this what I would say? Is this what I believe? And I think the more we can begin to question ourselves, the more we can begin getting in touch with our truth. You touch on this in your book. Because for me, certainly the awareness came through discomfort, through emotional discomfort, and mm. an understanding that what I was playing out in my life was no longer serving me emotionally. And you actually write in your book that it is vitally important for us to surrender to our own emotions, to allow everything in our emotional bodies to be revealed and acknowledged. And my experience is certainly true that when we surrender to how we truly feel, 
there are mm. all sorts of incredible messages and wisdoms and teachings and and signposts mm. hidden within our emotions. How does surrendering to our emotions help us flourish in life, Coot? Here's what I would say. One of the things that tend to keep us stuck are the ways that we suppress our feelings, suppress our emotions. Surrendering to your emotions does not mean wallowing in your emotions. Surrendering to your emotions does not mean mm, being a victim, does not mean being weak. We have to realize is all feelings remain present until we acknowledge them, until we feel them, until we process them, until we allow ourselves to experience them and feel them so that they can dissolve. And when we don't feel them fully, even though we have learned to suppress them, when we don't feel them fully, because they stay stuck inside of us, over time, that, that, that layer of energy will just build up and 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 begin to block and cloud the full, free, uh, radiant expression of our authenticity and our heart and who we are will tend to get buried underneath all of the unprocessed, unfelt, incomplete pain, hurt, shame, guilt, trauma, sadness, etc., etc., heartbreak that we have not allowed ourselves to feel. And so I think it's so important if we want to be free to, yes, we could say surrender to our humanity, surrender to the process of being human, surrender to allowing ourselves to intentionally, consciously feel our feelings fully. One of the ways that I see um, a lot of folks in the spiritual field, and this is something I used to be guilty of, is we'll call it a hyper toxic positivity. You know, it's like, cool, I don't want to feel that, that, that negative feeling because it's bad. It's wrong. To me, there's no good feelings and there's no bad feelings. There's just energy moving, energy in motion. And one of the mistakes I see people doing is a spiritual bypass. And, and, and it goes something like, oh, I, I want to be in a high vibe. I want to be in a high state. And that sadness, that grieving, that pain, that's not positive. That's not, that's not high vibe. So let me not, it's not spiritual, so let me not feel it. The challenge is when we suppress that, and we don't feel it, it stays stored in our body, then we end up carrying that inside of us. We will feel more tired. We will feel more lethargic. We will feel maybe more depressed over time. When we carry that with us vibrationally, we are resonating in that sort of lower vibration, that heavy vibration. And, and unintentionally, what I found is we, we will tend to create situations that attract the like energy to the unprocessed feeling. And so to me, in life, the quickest way to manifest uh, the next level is to feel complete release of the old energies of the past. And that's a really uh, important piece to surrender. Let's go back to that toxic positivity because I truly understand that that is one example of people trying to do what they believe to be right. I've done this in the past. I want to be a good spiritual person. So therefore, the right thing to do is to feel positive all the time, or in my case, to be nice and pleasant to everybody all of the time, to my own detriment. Coot, you write about the importance of surrendering our need to be right. How do we do that? And why does it matter that we do so? What we think is right is not necessarily reality or the right reality. It's simply what we think is right based on 
our level of consciousness. It's what we think is right based on our identity. It's what we think is right based on how we perceive the world, which is determined by the state of our nervous system, our physiology, our consciousness, and which is programmed from our conditioning. And so I think we have to be willing to question ourselves, like, what is right? Right is simply perception that we've developed from our experiences, from our life, from our from our childhood, from our past, that um, that we've learned to develop in this moment as a way of perceiving the world, that we project onto the world. So our perception of right is simply a projection. When we can sort of step back and acknowledge, hmm, right is not real, right is just our perception, then I think that can open to some humility. I say everybody is right. Let me repeat, everybody is right. From their current perspective and from their current position, they're right. But what they believe may not be right for you. You know, there's people that I don't agree with necessarily, but when I really am willing to step outside of myself, when we're stuck in our rightness, we're so stuck in our own limited perception and identity that we can't step outside of, our, outside of ourselves. And this is where suffering comes and disconnection comes and frustration comes and, and lack of communication comes and end of relationships come. And so when we're able to step outside of ourselves and put ourselves in another person's shoes, when we're able to step out of ourselves and rather than seek to being right, I say seek to truly understand. Because if I grew up how that person grew up, if you grew up how that person grew up, if you lived what they lived, if you had their parents, if you had their childhood, if you grew up in that country, if you had those experiences, if you were abused and experienced and heartbreak and what have you, that that person went through, you probably would believe what they would believe. What you're saying there is so vitally important for us to understand, and I want to bring it back to a really intimate level. Now, I'm the mother of two adult children, mm. so this particular question is very personal and pertinent mm. for me. What you were saying there that everybody is right, and our right is not necessarily what is best or what serves other people. How important is it that we surrender our loved ones particularly our children, to their own path and let go of the need to advise, to meddle, to offer our expert advice or to fix others' perceived mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I think, look, as a mother, as a parent, uh, there is a level of responsibility that you have to provide a loving space, to do the best you can to guide these beautiful souls that have incarnated in your life and through you and into your care. And so there is a level of responsibility for sure to guide and bless and love them and, and teach them the best that you can. But what I will say and what I do feel is every single human being, I think we all are our souls. And as souls, we all have our own unique journey. We all have our own unique evolutionary process. We all have our own soul. If life is a school, we all have our own soul's curriculum. And sometimes we don't always understand the journey that someone's on. Sometimes we don't always understand the lessons that another person needs to learn, even if they're, they are our children and so on. So when we realize that every single person is, is a soul with their own journey, that ultimately, yes, they're your kids. They are your kids on one level, but they are also 
a soul on their own journey with their own lessons to learn, that your job is not necessarily to impose your idea. Your job is to invite, to share, to impart, to challenge, to question, to offer, but not to make them into an idea of what you think they should be. They, they have their own journey. So in that sense, they don't really belong to you. People don't belong to you. Your brother and your sister and your husband and your wife and your girlfriend. And we, we have this idea that you're mine. Mm. Ultimately, they belong to life. The best way I feel to change people is to stop trying to change people. The best way to influence and impact people is rather than trying to force them and tell them what to be, what to do, you know, based on all of the ideas that we think are right, I find is to live your life at the highest level of your own potential, to live your life with love, with kindness, with grace, to live your life as a demonstration mm. of what you believe. Not just you, but me, but all of us. When you live your life as a demonstration, as a living example, as a living testament, as a living teaching, as a living possibility of your ideas, of your beliefs, of your, your truth, and then your life becomes the fruit of your own internal belief. And that shows up in, let's say, you're happier, you're joyful, you're blissful, or you're radiant, you're kind, you're loving, all of these amazing things. Your life starts flourishing and working. I guarantee you, over time, people, your kids, people will come to you, come to you without you going to them. They will come to you and say, hey, Kim, uh, hey, Koo, um, <laughs> what's going on? Something's working in your life. You seem yeah. so freaking blissful. Like, uh, what, what, what's happening? Then people come to you. And when people come to you, then they are ready and they are more open to listening. We are so determined, though, I think, to make projects out of uh, not just our children, right? But also there's a seriousness around the planning of our future, particularly anyone who has dabbled in personal development has heard about, you know, the two-year plan and the five-year plan. And you have to have a very specific idea of what it is that you're working towards and, you know, and know down to every detail and work towards that plan. Now, what is your view on building and following these long-term plans on having such specific projects that we are undertaking? How can we hold a vision for ourselves that is meaningful and yet still live in surrender? Really great question. I would say that it's okay to have a goal. It's okay to have a plan. But the challenge becomes when we, we hold so tightly to that plan or that vision that we're white-knuckling to that plan and that vision that we're then not really open to the infinite possibilities of life. And many times... We set a goal. This is the kind of side point, but many times we set a goal that we think is what we want. And in the moment, we're sure that's what we want. And maybe you achieve it and you realize, "Uh uh-oh, this is not really what I wanted. And many times we set a goal that we think is what we want based on who we think we are. But if we're not really in touch with our authentic nature, who we really are, many times our goals can be a... A, a drive to get some 
unfulfilled need met that wasn't met as a child. For instance, you know, I wasn't enough and no one thought I was uh, beautiful and, and, and creative and what have you. And then the reaction from pain becomes, well, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to, I'm going to prove them wrong. And then the drive for that goal that we think we want that we're setting is not necessarily an authentic drive. And so I think we first have to be willing to question our goals and get clear. Who am I really? And really get clear, is this goal authentic? So nothing wrong with the goal, but I think it's important to, even when we align with the most authentic goal that we're able to tune into in this moment, because it's never perfect, align with the most authentic goal, honest goal that you're able to tune into in this moment. And when you feel that authenticity, yes, you can get clear, you can make a plan, you can start getting specific about that if it's authentic. But what I'm saying is don't get too attached to it, because when we get so attached to it, we begin to limit life. We begin to think, ah, it's going to happen this way. It has to happen that way. It's going to manifest this way. It's going to look like this. And the truth is, mm. we don't know. The way you describe it there is so powerful. And you touch on this in your book as well, because for you, surrender is not passive, right? It's not some airy-fairy spiritual concept whereby we transcend reality and float around in some blissful state of Zen while our life unfolds for us. You say that personal responsibility and accountability to others is also a part of this concept of surrender. How so? Yeah, I mean, look, surrender, we, ha- we think it's weak, but surrender is, to me, spirituality needs to be lived in life. To me, real spirituality and surrender is, to me, spirituality, you know, living in a state of surrender, living in partnership with and in flow with this infinite expression of life itself. But real spirituality has to be lived in daily life. Real spirituality is not just praying and meditating and woo-woo. Real spirituality, to me, is showing up on time. Real spirituality is the, the willingness to be compassionate when someone wasn't so kind to you. To me, real spirituality is doing what you say. Real spirituality is the willingness to take responsibility and make amends and ownership for maybe uh, hurting someone. You know, this, to me, this is spiritual. And so sometimes surrender is not passive. Surrender might mean the need to tell the truth to yourself, that you're in a relationship that you know is not aligned. It's not right. It's not aligned. It's not for your highest good. It's complete. And it's the courage to have the hard conversation and let go. True surrender might mean you're in a job. You're in a job that's safe and maybe you're successful and maybe nothing's wrong. But you know deep down that if you die today, your heart would be full of regrets. And real surrender is the willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to be honest about what I feel. This is safe. It's comfortable. It's the known. But I'm not happy. That is surrender, the willingness to be honest with yourself in that moment, to surrender to the truth of your heart, the truth of your soul and say, I need to leave my job. And maybe you don't leave your job today, but but the honesty to say, I need to leave my job and I now need to make a plan because maybe you have responsibilities and a kid. So, okay, within two years, within a year, but it's the willingness to know, to stop lying to yourself. Sometimes one of the ways we keep ourselves stuck is we lie to ourselves. Ah, this relationship's fine. 
ah, this job is okay. You know, or sometimes we, we're constantly negotiating with our destiny, negotiating with our soul, negotiating with life in terms of what we're here to do. And so one of the ways we do that is we play this game of confusion. I'm, I'm not sure, Kim, I'm not sure what my purpose is. I don't, we, we, we know what our purpose is deep down. There's a part of us that knows, but I'm confused. I'm not sure. That's just the way to avoid really surrendering to putting ourselves on the line and going for it. Real surrender is showing up. Life is always happening for your highest good. Life is always seeking to, for, seeking to express for your highest good. So even if you can't see why certain things are happening right now. If life is happening for your highest good, that means if some, someone, if a relationship ends, something better, something higher is seeking to express. And also the open-hearted participation in the state of surrender is where you are willing. We are willing to roll our sleeves up and fully engage and participate with the process of life as it's happening because we understand that life is an evolutionary process. We are souls here to learn, grow, and evolve. So rather than focus on the what and the which and the when and the how and the surface of what's happening in the experience, even though life can be challenging and painful, the surrender is to learning the evolutionary lesson that that relationship, that that situation is bringing us. And when we learn the lesson <laughs> in a moment, we always win. To truly surrender, we, we spoke a bit about this, we have to allow those emotions, we have to allow the grieving, because most people don't allow the grieving for the reasons we said, but the grieving is what allows us to let the past go, to release the past, so we can open to surrender, so we can open our hearts to the future, so we can open to more love. Then we move into flow, Kim. That's when life starts happening. That's when magic starts happening. And that's really what I, 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 I intend and desire for every person listening right now to remember that surrender is the password to freedom. Cute. That just sounds so inspiring and empowering. Thank you for that, that description there. My final question is one that I ask every guest on the Eudaimonia podcast. Can you offer my listeners a morning reminder? This might be an affirmation, a mantra, perhaps a little practice, something that can help my listeners tap into surrender as they begin each day. Here's what I want the listeners to really hear from my heart to yours. Let's, let's be real. Please hear this. You are going to die. Please feel Mm. Not as some negative, morbid, scary thing. It's reality. You are going to die. There is no escaping that. Jesus, Buddha, the great mystics, Mahatma Gandhi, Bob Marley, David Bowie, Bruce Lee. They all died. You and I, Bill Gates, Oprah, all going to die. Beyonce, we're all going to die. There's no escaping. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so... If you knew the date and time of your death, would that change how you're living your life right now? And if death came today, would you be ready to go with no regrets? Is there, what's ungiven? What's unexpressed? What's unloved? What's unsaid? What's uncommunicated? I'm saying as a daily practice every morning, feel your death. Give thanks for being alive. But feel your death. Don't run from death. As a culture, we're so busily running away from death. Feel your death. Hold death close because without death, there is no life. And when we, when we accept and feel the reality of death, we're reminded of the preciousness of life. Because when we die, and I hope we all live a long life, 
when we die and we meet our maker, whatever we believe. We can't go to God and say, God, um, I wasted uh, about 10 years in that relationship that I knew wasn't quite right. Can I get a refund on those 10 years? There's no, there's no refunds in life. Once it's gone, it's gone. So every day ask yourself, if today was the last day of my life, is this how I want to die? Doing what I'm doing now. Is there more? Feel death and use the reality. It's real. It's not theory. It's real. Use the reality. Use that as a meditation, as a feeling practice in your heart to clear away the BS, to clear away the inauthenticity, to clear away the, place that, the places that you're maybe resisting because you don't have time. The only time you have is right now. How would you need to live your life so that you have no regrets? Feel that every morning. Welcome death every morning. Then you will begin to become fully alive. Oh, I hear you. Surrender to the, the reality of our own mortality. Coot. Your brand new book is out just next week and it is just a fabulous, awesome little exploration into this concept of surrender and freedom. If people want to find out where to get the book, more about you and the messages that you have to share, where can people find you? A uh, couple of ways. Uh, they can get the book, uh, go to www.themagicofsurrender.com. They get the book uh, and then they can just enter their receipt and get a whole bunch of trainings, videos, free gifts. Me personally, my website, coopblackson.com. Find out more there. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and feel free to connect anytime. Coot, your desire to inspire, to lift others, it is so palpable and, and really really powerful. So I want to thank you so much for the passion that you bring to the work that you do and for gifting your time and energy here today to share those messages with my listeners. Thank you for choosing to be a part of the Eudaimonia podcast. Thanks so much. As the writer Anne Morrow Lindbergh once remarked, if you surrender completely to the moments as they pass, you live more richly those moments. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe. Check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes or come join me on Instagram at I am Kim Forrester. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself and surrender. <laughs>